Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this time will be... I am not okay with this. This is what we do every single second and 20 second. Why are you not okay with this? I'm not okay with it. I don't want to do it. I refuse. Also, that's also the name of the show, but I do have problems doing this as well. Oh, uh, well, yes. The show is Netflix's 2020 show, I Am Not Okay With This. A rather short show, seven episodes, about 20 minutes each. Yep. Unfortunately, it got canceled because there was this tiny little thing that happened in 2020. The world stopped and died, and for some reason, we continue to persist on after it. No, there was a global pandemic. That's what I said. But yes, the show is I'm Not Okay With This, a show that pitches itself as a superpower teen drama. Okay. I didn't get much of that from either of these episodes, honestly. I can see the beginnings of it. I think this show is actually like a AU for Carrie. Uh, I could kind of see that, yeah. It personally gives me big Netflix fuck the end of the world vibes. It was another show from Netflix that was stylistically very similar, in my opinion. I don't know, they just feel like they belong in like the same show block, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, like they'd be back to back on Thursday nights on NBC. NBC would run neither of these shows, but yes. Or ABC Family, actually. I don't think ABC Family would run either of these shows either, but yes. Yeah, I bet you get the picture. You get what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. I have a question. Proceed. So there is a trope in movies and TV shows called the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yes. We're all familiar with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yes. I think for me, the most recognizable Manic Pixie Dream Girl is Ramona Flowers. Sure. But it's a very like... Insert Zoe Deschanel character. Yeah, it's a very known concept. Yeah. What is the male version, the guy version of a Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Manic Pixie Dream Girl. It's not gendered. Okay, cool. I don't actually know, but I'm making the claim it's not gendered because it'd be very anti-Manic Pixie Dream Girl to make it gendered. (laughs) You're not wrong. Because so, I think my first encounter of this character concept as a guy was nobody from Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. Or Pat. Patrick. Patrick, yeah. But also, this show has one. (laughs) It does. It does have its own, yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Because, like, he gave off such hard Patrick vibes, and I was like... I can see it. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, but, Patrick in the movie was played by Eliza Miller <laughs> and has tainted the role forever. Ezra Miller. Ezra. There's probably a perfectly fine Eliza Miller out there somewhere. And I assume they're lovely. Unlike Ezra. Before we actually get into the show, I do want to, like, Ezra Miller for a second. Because, like, there was a hot second yeah. where I was like, Ezra Miller, fucking hero. Like, they were driving through southern United States, loaded up with guns and calling out the KKK. Like, yeah, it's... It's nice. Uh, Like, yes. And then they went to Hawaii and domestically abused people and battered waitresses and basically they became a shitlord. Mm -hmm. When you were waving guns around and threatening the KKK, you were cool. You start beating people for no reason, less cool. I would agree with that, yeah. Unless they were KKK, then you would have been more (laughs) cool. Anyways, this show has nothing to do with Ezra Miller. Just he played a manic pixie dream girl once. Or Hawaii. Or beating people. So episode one is entitled Dear Diary. And it opens with our lead character walking down the street in a bloody nightgown with dog tags around her neck. Yeah. And then we just jump cut to her getting off a bus. A school bus, yeah, and like a jacket and backpack and all of that. And, and she is providing a voiceover. And also we get a song kick in from the Kinks. Yeah, baby. I'm not like everyone else. I'm not like everybody else. My bad. And we start with her voiceover, which is, Dear Diary, go fuck yourself. We get our splash screen that says, I'm not okay with this. And then we cut to the bus. Yeah. Where the voiceover continues. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, nah, I'm just fucking with you, Diary, or whatever. I don't know how these diary things work. They're dumb. I'm a 17-year-old boring white girl. Nothing special about me. Moved here two years ago. Name is Sydney. da 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 The aesthetic of the show is very nice. 90s. I would agree, yeah. Like not even like late nineties, like early nineties. Like we're just making that out of the eighties. Yeah. Like it's very much late eighties, early nineties. Like the lockers are the type that like mm-hmm. sit in front of the wall. They don't recess in. Yep. They have the slanted tops. They got like Yeah, we can't set stuff on top of them. Yeah. Which really who designed that? People that are assholes. <laughs> like 
Yeah. That's just a dick move. Yep. Also, everyone's just like clothing aesthetic is also very dated. Yeah. When she gets off the bus, the town looks like it's out of the 90s. Yeah. The high school is like very... Honestly, high school almost feels like 60s or 50s-ish. And I've never seen so much wood paneling in the first episode of a show that wasn't set in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, fair enough. So... Bad wood paneling, not fancy wood paneling. Fancy wood paneling is different. We just get narration from Sydney. Yeah. And this leads to her sitting in front of the guidance counselor, Miss Caparotti. Yeah, Caparotti, Capriotti, who the fuck knows? Who was the one that suggested she start writing out a diary to begin with. This mm-hmm. is a flashback of her getting the diary. Yeah, there's a fun moment where we're seeing her in the room with Miss Capriotti. And she's like, she said it'd be good for me. And then we actually hear Miss Capriotti like faint and stuff. It'll be good for you. She promises it'll help with my moods. It might help with your mood. And when she's saying that, we get a cut to her, like, knocking over a trash can and, like, punching a wall and, like... Breaking pencils, all kinds of stuff. She has anger issues. Yep. Um, and we find out it's because her dad died last spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we cut from Miss Caparetti, well, she asked Miss Caparetti, can't I just write this on my phone instead? Yeah, which was Josh just like, oh, shit, we're not in the 90s. Like, I thought this show was set in the past. I don't blame you. I did as well. And then it's like, oh, okay, we're not. And so she talks to Miss Caparetti. She's just like, can I write my phone? No. You get what distracted. am I write about? I don't know. Anything. Everything no one's gonna look at it it's only for you not even me the guidance counselor so then we cut to her in sex ed biology hard to tell which it's supposed to be yeah i don't know either uh we do see her like chilling out in the bathroom by herself like the mm-hmm. classic i'm alone so i sit in the stall which there are always better places in a school to just hang out by yourself than a bathroom stall right yes i've never understood that once generally a high traffic area too it doesn't smell pleasant guaranteed i will say in like sixth grade me and a friend used to time our bathroom breaks to line up so we could go in the bathroom and throw the link cable underneath the stall door and trade pokemon no play Yu-Gi-Oh together okay wow (laughs) what a loser yeah but like that was just to get out of class and play Yu-Gi-Oh. i guess it makes sense but i've never like retreated to the bathroom just to like be by myself better places to be by yourself at in a school yeah but when she's in the bathroom she's like anyways here's to a normal high school experience making fun of miss capriotti Mm -hmm. because you just like i want it to be normal for you i want you to have a normal high school whatever you know that shit yep so we cut to the sex ed biology class Mm -hmm. and the teacher is giving a lecture about how erections are formed yes mr file and he talks about how this is how a male can hold an erection in regards to blood flow. Yeah. And then a Mr. Lewis, who we'll later learn is Bradley Lewis, mm-hmm. raises his hand. He looks like a stereotypical jock. He's fairly attractive, but you know he's a jock immediately because he's wearing the letterman because he has to be. Mm-hmm. Teacher calls on him. He's like, from my experience, erections are much better held by a female. Ha 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 yeah, ha Yeah, it's far more successful in the hands of a homo sapien female. To be fair, I made a similar joke. But mine was just about masturbation. Yeah. And then he made his joke and I felt like my joke was lesser. But also my joke didn't like exclude homosexuals. Yeah, true. Or bisexuals. Or, you know, actually happened in a classroom surrounded by other people where you can make them uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. My joke happened in my living room where it's just me and you. And it can still make other people uncomfortable. Did it, though? No. My jo- it I expected yeah. the joke. I also knew this joke was coming up. Yeah, okay. So cool. Like, it, it felt obvious. So Teacher the, chides Mr. Lewis. And Brad, because that's easier to say. We learn his name very quickly. Mm-hmm. He's like, just talking science. And then him and his friend, bro, fist, bro, shake, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And then Brad's friend, who sits diagonally from him and right in front of Sydney, turns to Sydney and goes, what's the matter, Fire Crush? Wasn't it funny? No, it wasn't. It's why she didn't laugh because he's like why didn't you laugh because brad's joke wasn't that funny it was amusing but not extremely i can understand why people wouldn't laugh at it and yours definitely wasn't so fuck off but we go from that to sydney talking about her friend dina who sits diagonally in front of brad in this class but we cut from this class very quickly to gym class or basketball practice i think gym class yeah and dina's playing basketball as we get a lot of voiceover from sydney mainly sydney's talking about how dina's such a badass and like in a normal world they would have never been friends but because they both moved here at roughly the same time they became friends out of happenstance yeah and during this entire time we are getting a song from shirley ellis called i see it i like it i want it Mm -hmm. and then we're getting a bit more of sydney and dina stuff like we see them walking down a street and dina's kind of just dancing around and then she makes sydney dance and they kind of hold hands and sydney's narrating about how like she's never had a best friend before Mm -hmm. and And that dina is really like different from her she's all outgoing but like when sydney's with Dina, Dina just makes her feel different. Yeah, and Sydney also talks about how Dina 
was there when her dad uh, died when she found out that her dad died and like was there when she was crying and like was there for her. but yeah so then they go to an old style like diner where they get milkshakes yep and while we're there Dana tells Sydney that she kind of likes Bradley Lewis and that he may have asked her to homecoming and then Sydney's like wait and you you, you said yes like what the fuck and Dana's like no I told him to fuck off with his washboard abs and whatever of course I said yes and this entire time we're seeing Sydney just like staring uncomfortably at Dana like what what no that seems like a bad choice what the fuck's wrong with you those types of stairs and then Sydney comes to the realization that like oh you guys had sex didn't you you gave him your v-card how could you? Yeah. And Dana's just like, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't be all about it. And like, it's treated much more like a gossip sesh, whereas Sydney seems to be legitimately upset by this. Mm-hmm. And then Dana's like, what, don't you like anyone? And Sydney's like, I've never really given it any thought. But she's like, well, you should, because then we could make homecoming a double date. And then before Sydney could say anything, that's when Brad shows up. Yeah. And he like immediately sits down, makes himself comfortable at the table. And the first thing he asks is if Sydney's mom can get them some free hamburgers because she apparently works at this diner. And the hamburgers are pretty good here, so he wants some. And Sid's just like, my mom's not working. Dina's like, you want a hamburger? I can get us one. And she wanders off to buy him a hamburger after a waitress sets down some fries for the table. Mm-hmm. And then Bradley just starts like eating all the fries. Yeah, the Sydney's fries based on yeah. this. And she's like, she's upset because he's just stealing her food. Also but, her friend. Yeah, and her friend. And honestly, Brad, if you went to high school in America, you know Brad. Yeah. You went to high school with a Brad. He's the overbearing jock asshole. Who, for some reason, like, has no, like, self-awareness that he is an asshole. I mean, honestly, at this point, he has yet to come off like an asshole. Mm. He's come off kind of douche, but not necessarily an asshole. That's fair. He just feels like the kind of person that, like, is an overbearing douche mm-hmm. and has zero self-awareness for why people think he's a douche. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Also, at this point, we learned that Dina and Brad aren't technically boyfriend friend and girlfriend, according to Dina, because it does ask. They haven't really put a label on it. But when Brad shows up, he does, like, immediately wrap his arm around her, call her babe, and, like, Sid's obviously disgusted by that. Yeah, so Sydney kind of hyper fixates on Brad, and the chatter in the diner kind of like falls to the wayside. We can barely hear it; it becomes undiscernible. And all we get is Sydney's thoughts about how she wishes he would shut up and go just away. Stop! Please and, stop! And then Brad just starts bleeding from his nose. Yeah, there's a bit where he's like, "Gina's great. Why don't we have her smile? Whatever." And then the best part is the nosebleed starts just after he says, "You gotta try one of these fries," as if he's the one that got them and they've never had them before. Mm-hmm. And then on her way home, because we cut from this to her walking home by herself she's thinking narrating that she has almost convinced herself that she's the one that made brad's nose bleed yeah ha 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 imagine that it's that's impossible and then some guy sitting on a porch nearby yells hey she stops Mm-hmm. and he runs up to her and he's like hey you mind if I, mean, I he does say her name but yeah she says his name in her mind his name is stanley barber well i was saying he yelled her name yeah yeah, to stop yeah, her. yeah, yeah he was like right. oh hey sid yep so this guy sitting from his porch he goes out oh hey sid and he runs up she says hey back and we get a voiceover where she's explaining who this character is to us basically he's stanley barber he lives just down the street from her so he is her neighbor and she's talking about like how i normally i normally feel pretty shitty about myself but stanley stanley is the master of giving no fucks he just doesn't care yeah and he runs up to her like you said and he's like oop oop cramp sorry leg fell asleep actually oh yeah leg fell asleep and he like stretches himself out he goes mind if i walk with you and she's like okay and then he's not wearing shoes and he's walking on like asphalt. He's like, oof, no shoes, but who needs shoes, right? And yeah. then and then he asks her if she's into a band called Blood Witch. No, no, he doesn't. He says, Blood Witch. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. She's like, what? And he's like, Blood Witch. You like their music? And she's just like, that's a terrible name. I bet they sound like shit. And he looks legitimately offended in her. He's like, oh. And it's like, look, I have them on vinyl and stuff, limited edition stuff. Like, you should give them a listen. Like, we can listen together sometime. That'd be cool. You could come over, listen to them on vinyl. We could get high. And then voiceover i've never been high before yeah and then he's like well, he sees her like become hesitate, a little bit hesitate, yeah. yeah and he goes uh or not nah, it d- doesn't fine. matter and then like she's like well she's thinking to herself and then he's like you know we've never really hung out even though i live right down the street and she's like you know what yeah sure maybe sometime yep and that's the end of their interaction because yeah, then the, she's cool. home let me know spins around on his foot his bare foot does a bow and puts on his sunglasses and walks back to his house and as he leaves he says what a world we live in sydney i'm sorry i felt the need to make sure to get some of those important things across because you did mention he has a manic pixie dream girl is he not though you say it like you think i'm wrong no he he wanted to get in, into the scene basically out of nowhere has no shoes on just because he doesn't like shoes starts randomly talking about music is wearing a loose kind of floaty outfit which honestly generally fits with the vibe and just dancing around he literally skips back to his house i forgot to mention that he literally skips back to his house after so, he turns around bows
house. You say he doesn't like shoes. What gives you that impression? I said assumedly he doesn't like shoes. No, see, it has nothing to do with him liking shoes or not liking shoes. He was just relaxing, probably high, on the porch of his house. When he saw Sydney, the girl he has a crush yeah. on, come by, and he's like, shit, I don't have shoes on. Mm-hmm. Too bad for me, and runs up after No, him. no, I get that. It has nothing to do with whether he likes shoes. I was raising it more with the idea of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, because for some fucking reason, in so many things I've seen, where it's like, blah, 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 insert Manic Pixie Dream Girl here. There's always, for some fucking reason, a scene where they're not wearing shoes when they should be wearing shoes. Is that a Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope? I've seen it way too many times with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. Have you? Because I... I ha- yeah, there's for some reason always a scene where they're not wearing shoes when they should be, and it's weird, man. Ah, uh, well, I've never clocked it. But that leaves us into Sydney's home, where we find out that she lives with her mother and younger brother and not her father. I mean, that one was kind of obvious already, but yeah. Sydney and her mom haven't been getting along lately. If I had a guess, it has something to do with her dad dying, but just oh. a guess. Yeah. She lets us know, of course, through her vibrant use of voiceover. And Honestly, I- this show... I don't want to, like, clock the show because I did like it, but this show is terrible about, like... This show? This show. It could be an audio drama. It really could, and you would lose nothing. Mm -mm. You just add the soundscape for, like, sounds of cars and stuff. Yeah, you lose nothing if it's an audio drama. Mm. Wild. I was thinking about that later in episode two when they're in the car. I did fail to mention when the diary first came up. The diary is actually the entire framing device for the show, it seems, which is why we spend so much time in her head. Yeah, these are things... All the voiceover is assumedly what she's writing in the diary. Yeah. Yes. So it works in that regard. Yeah, but when she enters the house, her mom's like, hey, you're home. She's like, nope, I'm an axe murderer. And, you know. Thanks for leaving the door unlocked so I could axe murder you all. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Her and her mom get into a bit of a tiff because her mother has been called into work. She works at the diner, like I said, Mm -hmm. but one of the other people that work there has to... It's an emergency with their pet. And she still owes that waitress or worker two shifts for covering her when Liam, the younger brother's son, ate too much cheese and apparently had to be hospitalized for it or something. Maybe not had to be hospitalized, but he ate too much cheese. That's all we know. I assume... So I had a friend in high school that actually had to be hospitalized because he ate too much cheese. You know him. His dad ran some D&D games. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay, cool. I know. Yeah, so I wouldn't, like, put it past this kid having been hospitalized because he ate too much cheese. It happens. Yeah. But her and her mom get into, like you said, a bit of a tiff because her mom is looking for her stockings that she can't find. And she's just like, oh, I found those in the bottom of the bath. So I threw them in the washer and I guess they ended up in the dryer. And apparently you're not supposed to dry stockings. No, they shrink really bad. And also they can tear or you can get runs in them. See, as a man who has never worn stockings, I was not aware of this. Also as a man who has never worn stockings, I was aware of this. I feel like you're calling me out. (laughs) I am calling you out. Why would I know this? This. Why wouldn't you know this? It's a good question. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> but, and then her mom's like, can't you ever do anything around here? Because Sydney's complaining about, like, having to watch her brother and make sure yeah. he gets food. And uh, she's like, he's responsible enough. The crazy thing is, a mat, like, okay, so she made an honest mistake in yes. drying the stocking. Imagine then, like, flipping that around and being like, can you not do anything around here? When she literally just did laundry. You're literally mad because she just did laundry. Like, yeah, she messed up. But she still did laundry yeah yeah like anyways though her mother heads off to work and sydney heads into the living room where her little brother's sitting drawing something and she asks if he's done with his homework because you know that's what she was told to do and he's like yeah i already did it i did it as soon as i got home what about you have your young years and she's like oh i'll get to it and he's like you know you gotta work hard right mom says if you want to get anywhere in life you gotta work hard and she's like well i was just gonna coast off your hard work and maybe one day if you're lucky you can pay for my funeral yep and then she like asks how his day was and he's like talks about this bully at a school who punched another kid in the face and sid's kind of just like half panting she's like okay yeah and he's like and i'm devising a plan because i'm pretty sure i'm next and his plan is this drawing he's working on yeah of like superhero style armor mm-hmm. and it has spiked gloves and a chest plate and he's gonna make it and wear it and then beat up the bully before he can get beat up well i'm not necessarily sure if he's gonna do it before he can get beat up because sid calls him out on that basically she's like so vengeance and he was like yep pretty much i think it's because the kid that got punched is his friend maybe that could be it too yeah like batman's whole quest is vengeance but it's not because he was personally harmed by joe okay true true you, you, so, you can be out for vengeance for non-personal harm. Yeah, she does compliment on Mana, and it, honestly, it's not a bad drawing for a young child whose age like, I can't tell. And he's like, yeah, this is Mark 1, so the first draft's always the hardest. You know, it's really hard to design the first one. They then go to a nearby convenience store mm-hmm. and get hot dogs. 
and we've got some more voiceover from Sydney. It's basically just like, we're not rich. We've never been rich. We've always kind of ended up in shitty places like this. And it's like, life's like a lottery. You know, some people are born lucky or born rich. So that whole thing we've all been aware of and hate about life. Or is that just me? I'm just, it feels like you're baiting me because like... I'm not. I'm not getting baited. I'm not trying I'm not to get, bait I'm anyone. Not getting, I'm not getting pulled into this conversation. But yeah, so they have hot dogs. They sit on the curb outside the convenience store and eat them, and a bag of cheese balls. Important oh, things. a bag of cheese balls. My bad. Important things. I don't think anybody in the entire world has called cheese balls an important thing until this moment. I'm glad to be the first. And if they have, it's because they were a pregnant woman and needed the <laughs> cheese balls. Anyways, though, Liam and Sydney are talking again, and Sydney's just like, hey, you know if that kid ever punches you, I'll rip his throat out in front of the principal. And he's like, you're weird, you know that, right? And she's like, yeah, I know. Then we go from this to her in the bathroom at the house, and she's narrating over that she gets weird zits on her thighs. And yeah. The whole time she's, like, trying to pop the zits, she's like, they're not even satisfying to pop, and the sink is dripping in the background, drip, yeah. drip, drip, and, like, it's annoying her. And she she's looks going the off sink. about how she hasn't been able to get rid of them or anything. Yeah, she's tried everything, acne medicine, soap and water, so on and so forth. She can't stop them from forming. And then she gets fed up with the dripping faucet, looks at the faucet, and yells at it to stop. And it does. Then she finishes this entire thing where she's been complaining about and goes, I don't know, it's probably just a puberty thing. Immediately after commanding dripping water to stop dripping. Yep. And then we cut to her in her room, sitting on her bed, messing with an acoustic guitar. And she gets a text from Stan. Yeah, because we cut to Stan briefly, and we see him turning on Blood Witch. And he's just laying there listening. And his room is literally like... The whole basement. Yeah, and it's literally like the 70s. He has the fucking velour couch vintage bullshit. He's got a record player. He sees all all kinds of tapes and all kinds of shit. Like, it's just, here's the 70s. Congratulations. Yeah, he texts her and like makes her listen to Blood Witch. I think he probably texts her a link to them or something. Yeah, because they end up listening to the same song in this... Yeah, it. and Blood Witch, they're a vibe. They're like ambient acid rock. Yeah, they're, they're just a vibe. They're fine. Yep, Sid vibes to it too because she gets up and dances on her bed while listening to it. And Stan just listens to it probably high and drums out the beat on his chest. Then we cut to her laying in bed, lights her off, yep. and she says that sometimes she thinks about touching herself while she sleeps before but she, she sleeps. But she never does. In fact, when she feels like it, she gets up and gets peanut butter because peanut butter helps. And, and then we see her sitting on the couch watching something at night eating from a jar of peanut butter and her mom gets home which is just rude it's family peanut butter not anymore it's not it's her peanut butter now apparently and she narrates that the later her mom gets home the more wine she drinks which i don't understand this inverse here like if you have less time why would you drink more wine like obviously the argument here is that she's out longer because her day's been harder so she drinks more wine to cope with a very hard day at work right that's the logic there but eh. I think if that's the case, you just just upgrade which alcohol. You, you just change the alcohol. That's the basic thing. Yes, but it's also the argument of well, I'm not an alcoholic. I only drink wine. You can be an alcoholic. I'm like, aware. I've heard that line before, though. I know alcoholics that only drink beer, and beer is weaker than wine. Mm-hmm. So, but her and her mom are sitting there talking, and Sydney's voiceover is like as she's continuing. She talks about how neither of them have really talked to each other since her dad killed, killed himself, himself in the basement, and also they have definitely not talked about that at all. Yeah. So we've now went from knowing he died died to knowing it was a suicide in their house that they still live in yeah so sid then like talks to her mom she's like so i had to go to the counselor today and her mom's immediately like well what did you do she's like nothing she just wants me to have like an outlet or something and she's like an outlet for what and then sid takes this moment to be like really vulnerable and she's like well sometimes it feels like the people i love don't love me back and then her mom replies well Maybe you're aiming too high, hun. Which is just fucking wild, dude. Like, I get it. They're, go- they're they're all going through a tough time. Like, one of the Keystone members of their family just died. But the fuck? Like, like she, her daughter's not even necessarily talking about, like, a crush or anything. Her daughter is actively looking at her while Maggie, her mother, is too busy staring at the television, zones the fuck out. And when she says that, her daughter looks crushed because you can, you know, love isn't just romantic. Yep. And her mother basically just said, fuck off. So she does. She goes to her room, and while she's heading to her room, she's thinking to herself, narrating to us about how her mom is such a bitch, and how her dad would have understood, but he's not here anymore. And, like, she has this panic attack, overflow of emotion while Mm -hmm. rocking against the wall, and she mentions how she feels like her emotions are just gonna boil over, and then the wall behind her just fucking, like, full-on splits open, cracks, like, four feet up the wall. Yep. And uh, she says to herself, maybe I'm way more fucked up than I thought. And that's the end of episode one. Episode one. 
done. So what are your thoughts on I Am Not Okay With This? Episode 1, Dear Diary. Sydney's actress is very good. Like, very good. But specifically the scene where she tells her mom that she feels like the people she loves don't love her back. Like, that scene, very powerful, very well acted. But overall, this episode, it feels like it's a bit of a slog. Like, not to watch. It just feels like for a 19-minute episode, this episode feels like it's like 35 to 40 minutes. I can do that. Not a bad thing, though. No, it's perfectly fine. Like, it flows well. It just feels a bit slow. I have often been known to use the term slog or that an episode seems to drag as an insult, as a way to say a show has bad pacing. That is not the case here. Somehow this show takes 19 minutes, makes it feel like 35, but at the same time, it feels like it needs 35. So it doesn't feel bad that it took that long because it uses the 19 minutes so very constructively and packs so many different scenes into its runtime that even though it is a shorter runtime than most shows get, it still manages to like feel like a fleshed out TV show. The amount of world building and setting the show manages to fit into this 19 minutes is insanely impressive and because of that alone I would watch more. I don't even need like any other aspects of Dragon Man to watch more. The way this show is produced and directed is enough to make me want to watch more of it because that alone is so insanely impressive to me. But also the show is good and I like the actors and actresses and would be interested in watching more. Makes sense. There are five more episodes you can watch after you finish and also I like the next one. I like Stanley. I have got to the point where Manic Pixie Dream Girls bounce off of me but like Manic Pixie Dream Guys don't exist enough okay i get you so like they don't bounce off me the same way i can see that i'm sorry i'm susceptible to some things in life i'll accept your reasoning it's perfectly fine i also agree that this show is good and that it's pacing despite making it feel slower doesn't really actually make it feel like it's slower it's just that they've managed to get so much across in the short time that it feels longer and it's really well done and i would also watch more of this also yes i also enjoy stanley see i'm not the only one Episode 2 is The Master of One F Star Star K. The Master of One Fuck. No, the, the title is The Master of One F Star Star K. Yep. F Star Star K. Yep. And we start once again with seeing Sydney walking down the same street, same outfit. No, she's running down the street, same outfit, covered oh, in blood. Oh, no. And there are police sirens in the background now. You're right. Because I was saying that soon she started off walking and then briefly no. moved to that. No, it starts it's off okay. with her running on this one. It's fine. That's the start of the episode. Then we cut to sit in her room, staring at the giant crack in her wall. And she does the normal person thing and avoids the problem by just covering up by pushing a dresser in front of it. Except this doesn't work because the crack goes higher than the dresser. <laughs> the crack goes from the very bottom of the floorboard all the way to the ceiling. No, not to the ceiling. It's like four and a half feet up. I thought and it went all the way to the ceiling. No. It's a, it's a bit short of the ceiling. It's still taller than the dresser. So, though. and the crack on the floor is about two and a half, three feet wide. And by the time it gets to the top of the dresser, it's probably only about six inches wide still before yeah. it narrows off to a peak and stops. But still. It's still so very obvious. Yep. Also, more than just weird, it's not like it cracked plaster. That's another wood panel wall there, and it cracked the wood paneling, but didn't strip it or split it. it it's cracked wood paneling, which makes no sense. Also, there's no, like, plaster debris on the ground. Exactly. So, like, it just vanished. She, like, not only... Or it cracked so perfectly that there was no microparticles. Mm, yes, that's fair, too. But she is narrating to herself here that she'd almost convinced herself that she caused this crack to form in her wall. But, but it's a shitty old house. Bad foundation. It's fine. Yeah. So, she's out in the kitchen fixing breakfast to herself, which consists of two slices of toast. Yep. And Liam is playing with his pet hedgehog. And he's like... Banana. He's, what? Banana? Banana, I believe. Yeah. And so Liam goes, do you think Banana knows he's a hedgehog? Do he's happy he's a hedgehog and sydney like gives a like kind of flippant response i don't exactly remember what she said she's basically like he's happy to be a hedgehog and if he did know he'd know he's a well taken care of hedgehog or some shit like that and she just kind of stares at the toaster. general platitudes and liam's like mom says if you stare at the toaster it'll never pop and sydney goes well i have special powers i can control things with my mind that's what mom doesn't know and liam goes oh wow can i see and she stares at the toaster and like is thinking about making it pop and then it pops but rather violently toast goes flying then sydney in her voiceover goes whoa and then liam goes whoa and then her mom shows up yeah and she She's like, after school, you have to do the grocery shopping. We're almost out of, like, everything. And also, is that the same sweater you wore yesterday? And Sydney's like, yep, because I'm disgusting. Also and because what I, am I supposed to do to get the groceries home? Yeah, also because I don't think your mother understands wearing the same sweater multiple days in a row is not disgusting as long as you're wearing an undershirt underneath it. Mm-hmm. Sweaters are overclothing and they can be worn multiple times without having to change them. Yeah, as long as you know you didn't sweat horribly in it or it didn't get stained or something. like. Yeah, these are clothing rules that exist. I'm not making this shit up. People are aware of this. It's like you can wear the same jeans multiple times a week. In fact, you're supposed to. You're, not, you're only supposed to wash jeans like once every three months or some shit. Well, 
Well, not modern jeans. Okay, but you're still not supposed to wash modern jeans like once every couple weeks. You're not supposed to wash them every day. It, it really depends on the brand. A lot of jeans are now more, you do need to wash them more often because they've started making them of cheaper and cheaper materials that do need to be washed more. Whereas if we are talking about older jeans, yeah, you wash them rather occasionally because they were straight up work clothes. Like no, they that... were made to ma- maintain through fucking anything. Yeah, like, but jeans and sweaters and jackets, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, yeah, like you said, she's like, how am I supposed to get the groceries home? And her mom goes the same way you did last time. So it's like, okay, so in exchange for sexual favors from strangers. Yep. And her mom's like, stop being a smart ass. Change your sweater. You're making me look like a bad mom. And, and I'm, I'm a good mom. She's not a good mom. I've seen her on screen for like probably six minutes total. She is not a good mom. I wouldn't say she's a bad mom, but she's not a good mom either. Oh, uh, she's a bad mom. She's a bad parent. Yeah. Rather recent. At least recently. I can't speak of obviously as, her as, as soon as your as soon as your teenager comes to you and says, I feel like people don't love me. It's like, yeah, you're right. I kind of already forgot about that scene. You're right. She is a bad mom. Like that scene alone makes her a bad parent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and sure, she's just got off work. She's drinking. Boy, that's like, not. She's probably mentally fried. But like at the same time, when you become a parent, that's a decision you have made. And you don't get to just be mentally fried and unresponsive to your child's emotional plights, which is what that is. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. She's a bad mom. So on the way to school apparently she walks to school back every day yes or she was riding the bus in the first episode she might walk to a bus stop that's yeah, farther fair away so on the way walking to the bus stop or, she seems to live on the other side of a river from the school i'm um, stan stops and he's driving like an old clunker of a car yep and it takes him a solid minute to roll down the window which we do not cut from we do not cut from this of her standing there awkwardly in the middle of the road. The best is part pa- is he he had it rolled down far enough, like just an inch, so she yeah. so he could like drive up and say, "Hey, Sydney," and she's like, "Hey, Stan," and we have to wait for the window to roll down all the way before like the conversation not, continues. Not all the way; it's like halfway, and the conversation continues. Yeah, and I think we get to halfway because it sounds like it comes to a stop and does not go down farther. So then he kind of offers her a ride. He never says it; he just kind of gestures to the passenger seat with his head like three times, and then eventually we see them driving to school. Which means why did we have to wait for the window to roll down? Why is this a thing that happened? Shh, it's fine. But so yeah, she gets to school. We jump scenes to uh, like after gym class. Where she is talking to Dina, trying to see if Dina can give her a ride after school to just go grocery shopping. And Dina's like, I would, but I promised Brad I'd go to the pep rally. And Sydney's like, Why would you go to that? Pep rallies are for people who have like you know pep. pep. And she's like, yeah, but it's a really important game. And Sydney's like, wait, you're going to the game too? Yeah. And like, the thing is, Sydney isn't confused because she's going to the game or she's going to the pep rally for Brad. She's confused that she's going to the pep rally and game because before she started dating Brad, these are things they would have never done. Yeah, these are things she did not do beforehand. So it's an entire change in the things she does and her personality for because the way she's defending the pep rally and the, the game mm-hmm. and stuff is not something that she would have done previously. And so, then she puts on Brad's Letterman jacket and that's basically the end of the scene. Oh well, no, Dina's disgusted by the Letterman jacket and Sid's just asked about it and Dina's like what he's never let anybody have his Letterman jacket before it's sweet and then that's the end of the scene we cut to Sydney walking along some railroad tracks next to the river next to a bunch of abandoned buildings yep and she's just throwing rocks yeah as one does I guess and while she is venting about um, how Dina's a bitch for although I say venting but from personal experience focusing on things that have me upset don't help me vent they just like reinforce the anger that is generally true like venting only works because you have another person to like give you their yeah. outlook their input their outlook on, on a situation yeah no the idea here wouldn't necessarily be that she's venting because again the voiceover is assumedly written in the diary this would be her immediate reaction after school to what dina's done and then the voiceover would be later at some undisclosed point when she's writing the book which would then actually be venting and like she's venting about dina and brad being like a couple from the 50s which yeah. i have to interrupt because we haven't mentioned it because it has no bearing on the actual story of the show but dina's black mm-hmm. they are not like a couple from the 50s they wouldn't have gone to the same school in the 50s he wouldn't have been caught dead dating a black girl in the 50s i mean he may have been caught dead more likely she would have been caught dead yeah um for bad jokes anyways though she's venting calling dina a bitch for ditching her and she's like look she didn't technically ditch you yeah it sucks but she never agreed yeah and so while she's throwing rocks she throws one at this old railroad crossing sign and it hits the sign and And the the sign sign and the post fucking floy yeah like It'd be one thing if it was just a sign, like you could blame it on like a bad de- decrepit bolts or whatever. But it pulls the entire pole up too, and, and like goes tumbling yep. head over head. Um, so we go from that to the bowling alley where she is went because Stan apparently works there. And yeah, she, she, she she does stand shocked for a moment, and then we cut to her running into the bowling alley to get Stan. And Stan says, "I can't. My dad doesn't even know I drive the car. He pissed if I let somebody else." Yeah, because when 
she asks for it. He's like, no. And then she kind of insists, and he's like, do you even have a license? And she's like, yes. Like, let me see it. And then she gets huffy and gets ready to walk away because she doesn't have a license. Yeah. And he follows. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I got this. It's fine. I'll drive. And then he yells to his manager or boss that that he's taking 20 minutes. But the best part is his manager or boss is this old lady who looks like she's asleep. Like She's definitely sleeping. He's like, I'm going to take 20 minutes. I'll be back. She, no response. She's just sleeping on a chair in the corner. Also, I'm going to go with probably more than 20 minutes. Yeah, definitely more than 20 minutes. So they're in his car driving and he points to a tower over by one of the bridge. One of the yeah. two bridges that we've seen in this town. Which I assume one bridge is for cars and the other is for the train. Yes, the other one looks like it's for the train. Yeah. And he's like, you know, back in the 1890s when they built that, a hundred men died building it. And she's like, there's no fucking way a hundred men died building that goes, shitty thing. Well, maybe it was more like five, but one of them was my great-great-grandfather. Wasn't that great, though. Turns yeah. out all of the barber men have been pretty fucking shitty. It's my job to redeem the name. And he, she's like, well, you know, I've never seen your dad around. He's like, yeah, he drives 18-wheeler 25 days out of the month. But, but honestly, it, my life's better when he's around. I kind of wish he would never come back. He's like, oh, wait, shit. Um, her um, dad oh, dad. fuck. Like, I, I had to rewind a second here. He's like, she says something about that. She's like, I just wish my dad was here. Yeah, and her voice over and I don't know. Yeah, but like, I had to rewind. I was like, was that out loud? Or because like the way he immediately reacts to it, it feels like it wasn't. Yeah. Which may just be more manifestation of her psychic powers or Stan actually has a good reading on people. Situational awareness. Yeah. Anyway, though, she's like, it doesn't matter. And kind of just chill out from there. Like with that conversation. And we see them driving and he stops he stops the car in an automotive replace saying he needs to drop something off real quick gets out and walks up to one of the mechanics at the automotive place hands him something the guy hands him something the mechanic puts the thing that stan handed him in his shirt pocket stan jogs back to the car gets in and said he's like what are you a drug dealer he goes i have clients thank you he's just like wait what really he goes four but one of them is my cousin yeah uh and then they get to the store and we see them shopping. She's doing a whole voiceover this entire time, but we hear like brief conversation. Yeah. Uh, where he's making like a few jokes here and there. And her voiceover is just like, I guess there's more to Stan than I thought. He's actually, he's actually fun to be around. He's funny. Well, he's not that funny, but he's kind of funny. He's still weird though. Yeah. He's weird, but he's nice. So there are the cash register checking out. The total is $67 and change, almost $68. And she's like, shit. In her monologue, she's like, shit. Mom, Mom only, only gave me 50. Mm-hmm. So she asks the cashier to re-ring everything up. She thinks she's being overcharged charged yeah. cashier's like nah it's gonna come out the same it's gonna come out the same hon and then just like do you want me to spot you it's fine and it was just wild because he's offering to spot the full 70 dollars here like he doesn't yeah know he doesn't know how much he has yeah but she's like no nah, it's okay and she takes the baskets and goes to start putting stuff put, back she says i'll put everything back which is not the correct reaction you put back like 18 dollars worth of stuff yeah like but to be fair that mm, yeah you're right to be more accurate in my opinion obviously if you know you have a very strict budget of 50 dollars you don't end up at the cash register with more than fifty dollars, you've done the math as you've gone. Yeah, you, because you have a cell phone which has a calculator. Or you have a calculator, and you've literally done math. Yeah. Anyways, though, she puts like syrup or some drinks and milk back, and, and she's panicking the entire time, thinking about hyperventilating. Yeah, we see her mom in like a little flashback, the cash register. She seems to be very upset by this like kind of social faux pas. That's not really a social faux pas. You should never feel bad about something like this. Their job is to sell shit to you. Sometimes you don't have the right money. So she puts the last thing up in the refrigerating like wall yes the refrigeration wall and it seems like based on what we've seen so far in the show that she's gonna shatter this glass wall or something yeah or like all the racks are gonna break down fall we're gonna see a bunch of liquids splash up because lots of cool effect that things do sometimes yeah so it kind of baits us here but she shuts the freezer door the fridge door turns around and it feels like everything's okay for a second she's not hyperventilating anymore she breathes out a nice deep breath out and then everything in the aisle in front of her just flies off the shelves into the middle of the aisle yeah yeah which i assume honestly one it's a good fake out but also part of the reason is budgetary like it costs a lot more to drop all of the racks in the refrigeration unit down and have liquids fly up right a lot less to kind of just have everything fly off a shelf it would have can... been it would have been really cheap though to like just have all the glass break out of the fridges well yeah but it's also even cheaper to have all the stuff fall out because you can use a lot of basic shit i was just thinking like the cg effect for the glass like would be yeah. really easy to do but yeah it's probably a budgetary constraint like you said this show probably could have just been an audio drama and it would have been fine mm-hmm. uh- <laughs> But Stan comes around the corner, looks down the aisle, which has everything on the floor, and he's like, Sid? And then she turns and runs off. I do have a minute of commentary. This was 2020 before we entered our record world of inflation that we're in now. Could you imagine how much her $68 in groceries would have been now? It was like two baskets of groceries. Like, Yeah. Um, I'm going to say about 100. It's so ridiculous. About 30 bucks more, probably. So we see Sydney sitting on like, she's sitting on on concrete in front of a painting. Mm -hmm. One of those type of paintings that you know if you've been to a small town 
downtown in America. A lot of them are from the Federal Arts Project that FDR did. They haven't been upkept, so they kind of look shitty now. They're kind of bland and generic. You've, almost every small town has what seems like the same one, but they put the name of the town over it. Yeah, so now we know the maybe, town is, now, now we know the town's named Brownsville. Yeah, and maybe there's like one distinctive feature on it that was like, this is our claim to fame, so we put it in the art. Yeah. You, like, you, they, they look fine. It's just, they look, they're overly generic at this point, and you, they're never well upkept. You know this if you've lived in a small town or driven through a small town America. You've seen these. They're everywhere in small town America. Or, you know, if you were born in a small town. We'll die in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, like you said, Stan comes up, and Sydney is sitting with her head in her hands, like, upset, and Stan's like, panic attack? Like, that sucks. Like, it sucks that you have those. My mom used to get those all the time. It really, really sucks. Well, like, she probably still does, but. Yeah. And then Sid's just like, why are you still talking to me? He's like, because you're, like, the most interesting person in this shitty fucking town. No, he basically says because everybody else is boring. Yeah. Well, let's not cross the wires. He's he's not, like, straight up, like, flirting. He's just being like, nah, because. Yeah, I didn't remember the exact line. I knew the sentiment there, though. Yeah. So he pulls out a cigarette case, like, a, like one of those metal old cigarette cases, and it's just filled with joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, enough joints that it's probably a felony. Definitely a felony. <laughs> He's got a felony marijuana trafficking charge coming his way. Yeah, but that's probably gonna happen anyway, so he's actively dropping shit off. That's fair. So he pulls out one of his marijuana cigarettes. Yes. I love that term. It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. And he offers it to her, and he's like, do you want to smoke? And she's like, I've never smoked before. And he's like, you want me to go first so you know what the fuck you're doing? So they share the joint, and she's like, I didn't even cough. Which, um... I'm calling bullshit. If this is her first time smoking anything, she coughed. She psychically stopped herself from coughing. <laughs> also, you mentioned a very funny thing that I had to go back and check. The thing that happens all the time in shows and movies. Anytime someone's smoking anything, which is oftentimes, especially nowadays, your actors, smartly, don't like to smoke. It's not good for you. Yeah, makes Inhalation sense. Inhalation of smoke is not good, especially if you're going to have to do multiple takes. Mm-hmm. So now a lot of times it's just, well, we're just going to edit around that. Like, sure, here's you breathing in most of the time. Your smoke, a lot of the time it's just edited in. It's a super easy CG effect. Yeah, a lot of time they use, like, electric, like, Mm -hmm. props. They use an electric prop that might have a water vapor coming off the end of it, depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. Or it's just CG edited in because it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. But you hardly ever see someone breathe out smoke because they never held anything. So we cut camera when it logically makes sense for them to breathe. And we cut back and forth. What did we do here? I didn't catch that, but yeah. So she and Stan drive around for a bit, and she gives us some narration. She says that her eyes felt heavy and her mind felt empty. Yes. We also either learned here or earlier that her dad also smoked because she recognizes the smell in Stan's car. Yeah. She mentions how she would always ask her dad why his truck smelled like skunk. Skunk. And he'd give her an excuse, but now she realizes he was just a pothead. Um, yeah. Well, she says stoner. That's right. But she also mentions that, like, she no longer has, like, any worries. She's not worried mm-hmm. about the groceries or her friend leaving her or her or, mom. Or any of that. She's fine. Or the feeling like she's going crazy. Mm-hmm. And then Stan looks over and he's like, you want to go to the game? And she says, definitely not. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And then there's the game. Yeah. And she's like, I can't believe you like coming to these. And he's like, it, well, it's not It's not because I like the sport, right? I come here because it's like live theater. It's- like Hamlet. You know how it's going to end before it starts. Before the lights come up but you still watch it for the ending and he goes on a diatribe about how like this is the peak of their lives like because the he's a manic pixie field. dream guy yeah. the people here on the field and in the stands they're the kind of people who are going to come back for the five year 10 year 20 year reunion because this is the best to get like what's the best bradley lewis can look forward to maybe being a middle manager at like an insurance company where if he's lucky he's in charge of employee of the month yeah and in her head she's just like man stan's fun i like him and then she takes the sunglasses puts them on and then coincidentally when we can't see her focusing on anything brad gets hurt in a tackle and specifically she's thinking to herself here before brad gets hurt i was trying to like find a boyfriend or something just to keep up with dina yeah dina and maybe i don't have to try it maybe i actually just like stan for stan yeah maybe i can just like stan and then brad gets hurt in a tackle he has to be like helped off the field yep was Mom- he dina on the field with the team yeah which is weird which is like weird it's weird because she's never gotten anything before it's not like she's a manager or anything she's definitely not a cheerleader she's just down there in his letterman jacket yep well didn't you know letterman jackets get you field access oh they like high-vis vests in most other places yeah yeah exactly okay cool cool um anyways they go back to stan's place his bedroom is the entire basement Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of comics records and vhs tapes she's like vhs he goes it's the best format she's like no it's fucking not it's like okay not quality wise but like feel like like the shittiness is part of the experience yeah and i get where he's coming from I, i vaguely 
really get it, yes. But he's just being a fucking hipster. This, no, this is, he's being a manic pixie dream girl. This is the argument that vinyl is better than digital, except you have no backup to your argument. Yeah. Like, vinyl was, for several years, decades even, better than digital. Yeah. There's an argument there are better digital formats than vinyl now. But vinyl people had, like, support behind their argument. He has nothing. He vinyl just has... saw, like, 8-track and cassette come and die. He just has nostalgia on his side. Nostalgia that he's never experienced. Yeah, he's, he's like, 17 and it's 2020, so he was yeah. born in 2003. Mm-hmm. The towers fell before he was born. He doesn't know VHS. No, that tower's still standing. His great-great-great-great-grandfather helped build it. But he's like, I just can never get into laser discs. Yeah. Yeah. I hate him now. Like, in this moment, I hate him with with every piece of fiery passion i could but he'll be back here in a second when he talks about jellyfish yeah so <laughs> they're both just kind of standing there awkwardly and then goes you want to smoke again so, so they smoke again and as they smoke uh, we, we cut to them and they're now laying on the carpet with a mostly burned joint which is still smoking but we never see them take another hit of even despite yeah. the fact that there's a bunch left yeah because of course they don't actually smoke and they're playing a game of would you rather yes and the first would you rather question is from stan to sydney would you rather be an eagle or a jellyfish and she says no question easy an eagle and you know she's wrong not that none of that she chose an eagle eagle's a fine pick here i mean they're basically giant seagulls but fine it can fly like it's a fine pick it's not but the it's lifespan so short jellyfishes baby some jellyfish species are literally immortal yeah you make me choose between like specific breeds of the species so i'm going immortal jellyfish more importantly what's a jellyfish gotta worry about all right it just floats there also most of their food intake's passive yeah it just floats there and exists in warm water that is almost it, it basically exists in a sense depth chamber which yeah okay cool yeah that sounds like like a good time and so then she asks her question which is what superpower would you like to well, have no, her first question is superpowers or he goes there's no way that's not choosing superpowers it doesn't matter what the other thing yeah. is and she's like fine what superpowers would you have he goes i want the power to transform i want to be a shapeshifter yeah but not to like be creepy and like sneak in the girl's locker room or anything i just want to be able to change into a giant jellyfish <laughs> and she's just like what what is with you in jellyfish and he's like well i read in this article that when the world ends it won't be cockroach that like survive and take the place of humans because the world's like 70 percent water she's like so we're gonna be the planet of the jelly he's like yeah. yeah and i'll be their leader leading them in the war against the cockroaches uh that'd be great i don't think jellyfish would care about fighting cockroaches i mean apparently if he's smart enough and can lead them he could make them like initialize them to fight against cockroaches who knows and she just vibes with the answer because that's what you do when you're that high and then they kind of argue about whose turn it is he goes to ask her if she'd rather tell him her deepest secret or something else and she goes, doesn't even get to or she quickly sits up and is like okay and he struggles to sit up as one does with fast motion when they're high sometimes yep so she tells him her deepest secret which the way she like drags it out and she's like you can't tell anyone and in her voiceover before she says anything else she's like it's fine you can just tell him it's good just just tell him about it and it kind of feels like she's gonna like confide in him that she thinks she's going crazy because she's she thinks she's making things happen like she has superpowers but she's just like i have acne on my thighs and he just starts laughing it's like, that, like that's it she's like it's gross it's so gross though and he's like i got you beat turns around pulls off his shirt and he is back knee and he's like it goes all the way down into my ass crack between the cheeks and she's like that's disgusting he's like yeah you can't beat me i got you beat so she stands up and pulls her pants down to show him the thigh acne yes and he's like oh you're right that is gross you win that's disgusting <laughs> you win well he says it very facetiously yeah he then kisses her and immediately backs off he's like sorry i shouldn't have done that my bad and then she like forcefully grabs him pulls him in and kisses him again as they fall off screen yep and then the credits roll that's the end of episode two. Justice, episode two, thoughts. I like Stanley. He's such a facetious prick, though. VHS? VHS really, Stanley? He is quite a pretentious asshole. However, he's all right other than that. Yeah, I mean, agreed. And at least he acknowledges it's not actually a quality thing. It's his own weird personal preference. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. This episode doesn't have the, like, timing pool of episode one, which I don't know if that's an issue or not. This episode, despite actually technically being longer than episode one. By a minute feel shorter which is just a flow thing so that's good it's a fun flow thing when you take into account like a quarter of it most of the characters were sitting in a single location by which i mean a car yeah but yeah i like this episode i think it's got good vibes i would watch more agree the show is good i would watch more i don't have a lot more to say about it yeah i mean i have a thing not necessarily to say about this but i have a question Mm, okay would you rather 
be a jellyfish or an eagle? See, this is tough. And I think I discussed this a little bit in the actual show review, but eagles come with the freedom of flight but they also only live like 20 something years typically um that's that's if they don't starve to death or get killed or various other things that can happen to birds jellyfish though some species of jellyfish are immortal and other species functionally of jelly- and other species of jellyfish aren't even actually singular organisms they're hive minds made up of tiny made up of like armies of tiny little cells i'm looking at you um man of war is what you're thinking about yeah the man of war which isn't even technically a jellyfish but it's called a jellyfish yes so like the question here is do i want functional immortality and a forever deprivation tank and to be one of the vibiest creatures in all of nature or do i want to be a murderous flying killing machine but like a dumb one yeah a dumb one that's fair i mean obviously you still have your human like i'm saying eagles are dumb i think i would go insane if i was a jellyfish like the first two years fucking vibe year three and four i think i'd probably start dipping into insanity i think i have to choose eagle just because i think i could like stay sane as an eagle yeah eagle gross i if it was only for a year i would take jellyfish I if it was only for a year, I'd take jellyfish so hard. I think I would go insane. I arguably think I would go insane if I was trapped in any animal body. So I'm going to go with the jellyfish because at least I can explore the oceans. But yeah. And also because it's only functional immortality. If I really, really get tired of it, I can cast myself into a volcanic vent. You don't have to do that. You can just wash up on shore somewhere. That sounds much worse and not nearly as metal. Actually, I don't think you would cast yourself into a volcanic vent. Jellyfish can't really sink. They're very buoyant, I'm aware. You'd have to cast yourself on shore somewhere. Yeah. Uh, just make sure it's not a beach where there's a kid with a stick <laughs> but if you do pick a beach with a kid with a stick also make sure senator kelly is right offshore <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking anyways i think that's it for this show which again is netflix's i am not okay with this a short seven episode series that you can find on netflix to watch right now we're not sponsored by netflix but netflix if you're out there you could sponsor us you could we watch so many shows on your service Anyways, if you want to reach out to us and let us know if you'd rather be an eagle or a jellyfish, you can do that in so many ways. There are so many options. You can do that by sending us a tweet or a toot. You can tweet us at Twitter, though Twitter's disgusting. Preferably, you toots are a mastodon. We're not a mastodon. What is hive thing? I've already told you what they are. They're bumbles. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You could, you could bumble us. You know you want to bumble us. I don't think they have an official term, but that's, that it's just adorable. Or or I guess like Sting would also or work. Or buzz us. Yeah. You could buzz us over on... We'll go with buzz. You can buzz us over on Hive. At Copilot's Review. Yes. And you could tweet us at Twitter Ugh. at Copilot's Review if you're still on Musk's ever-declining platform. We you could email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you could find the links to all of those except our Hive, which we need to update, on our website at copilotsreview.simplecast.com, which has links to our Discord, our Twitter, our YouTube, our Patreon... And our hive by the time this goes live. Yeah. So, eagles or jellyfish? You have limited options on what you can choose to be, but an almost unlimited option of ways to contact us. I think there's actually like eight options, so not really unlimited. But more options than eagle or jellyfish. See you on the next flight. Please fly again soon. 